You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A black square is not enough. A meme asking for the arrest of police is not enough. A mural painted on a street is not enough. Though in the moment these performative acts unite us, many fall victim to thinking that they've done the work when there is so much more actual work to do. So today... No politics, no partisanship, just plans. Plans to change the systemic racism that lives buried in the theater industry. Because if we can't take care of our own home, we surely can't comment on somebody else's. A few months back, I had a thought. Well, more than a thought, the beginnings of a plan. What if the theater community and theater people alike came together and used what they inherently have within them? that activist voice. And what if we use that voice and those powers to keep the House, take the Senate, and win back the presidency this fall? And what if I put together a limited series where every other week we give you an action plan and an artist slash activist to inspire you to go out and get to work? Well, let's do it. I'm Eric Uyoa, and this is Do You Hear the People Sing, a theater person's guide to saving democracy. Oh, and if you're here to reelect Donald Trump, you're in the wrong fucking place. Today, we're dedicating the entire episode to a coalition that is truly doing the work. In the 154 years since the first Broadway musical premiered, there have been 3,002 musicals and 8,326 plays. Within those, there have only been 10 black directors of a musical, 11 black directors of a play, 17 black choreographers, and two black lead producers. You don't have to be a mathematician to know that these numbers are not only bad, but actually quite embarrassing. And here to start the change of all that is the Black Theater Coalition, a new organization aiming to build a sustainable, ethical roadmap to increase employment opportunities for Black theater professionals. Please welcome two of the founders, T. Oliver Reed and Warren Adams. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for having us. Hello, hello. Hello. Thanks for being here, guys. Look, uh, the world's on fire. (laughs) The world's on fire. (laughs) I mean, quite literally, every day is an onslaught of just so much. And when you think you just can't feel deeper pain. Well, there it is. There it is, especially in this, in these talks we're having about the racist core of this country and, and everything that it's turning out to be. But today I want to do something different. I wanted to, to look to the helpers, to look to the people that are actually on the ground doing something, changing the narrative, and which is why I brought you on. Uh, so talk to me all about the Black Theater Coalition. How did this idea first start? Warren Adams here. Uh, T. Oliver Reed and I live um, a stone's throw away from each other. He's in Borham Hill. I'm in Fort Greene in Brooklyn. 
uh, we'd get together for what we refer to as coffee dates. And um, about, and this started over a year ago, uh, uh, way we're, before. We're going you know, on a year and a half now, Warren. It was April. Oh, of, gosh, it is a year and a half, yeah. right. Um, and and, and, and our, our get-togethers were based on T had an idea of wanting to put up a performance series whereby there were opportunities created for um, people, we could say behind the scenes. So, you know, if you were referred to the people that you see on stage, obviously, as the ones that, that there are, you know, on the, on stage as, as the ones who are on the screen, uh, on the scene, sorry, behind the scenes being the ones who create the shows, who run the shows, who executive produce the shows and manage the shows, um, because they're just not that, that, that many. And I had actually been going down a rabbit hole of creating a lot of the data, Eric, that you had, that you had read at the opening um, and just looking at it because I started, I started getting questions of people saying to me, when are you doing your next Broadway show? Um, in, in a very matter of fact way, like I was going to Whole Foods and just buying something off the rack, like it was something easy to do. And, um, and so our minds got together and we started addressing that. Um, and, you know, once we really looked at the data, it became, it became so, um, the, 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 the enormity of the problem was such a, a punch to the gut is that we felt like we had to do something. So this was 18 months ago, and this is way before eight, nine, nine weeks ago when everybody woke up in America with regards to the racial disparity. And uh, we felt like we wanted to create something with the coalition whereby we fundamentally change the ecosystem and the landscape of how we're operating and going one, one line by line, going one line at a time uh, looking at the ecosystem from top to bottom, and and T can talk a little bit more about you know what we refer to as the ecosystem and uh, how we're going to go about it. And uh, Eric, with what Warren has said, I mean, and as you know, it's like I think people will see shows like like a Hades Town or a Hamilton or Ain't Too Proud and look on the stage and say, oh my gosh, there's so many black and brown bodies up there. So it must we must be you know doing the right thing. And you realize that that is truly just the illusion of us being included in this business which is yep. part of our mission statement it is it is that there is such a lack of of black professionals behind the scenes in the administrative and company offices all these places that are truly making this industry run and and signing the checks not just cashing the checks and as Warren and I started this conversation about you know the, the idea of this performance series, we realized that like there were people, we just, we just didn't have people in certain areas. So for us, you know, yeah. figuring out that we needed to have apprenticeships and mentorships and fellowships as part of our planning so that, you know, over the next 10 years with the increases that we want to, and know that we can make and the amount of black professionals working on Broadway, that, that, that was a part of our, that was a part of the goal. There's so many points of entry is, is that there are, there are people that are absolutely ready to go that, you know, are ready to be hired um, and, and are just being completely overlooked. There are people that are, you know, if, if you look at the numbers, you go, okay, well, then are there just no people capable of, you know, being black set designers or lighting designers? I think in the history of Broadway, there have been two black lighting designers, right? So you go, well, that's actually not the case. They are graduating from school. But there is no, there's no bridge that's being created for them. There's no way for them to get into the rooms that they need to be in, um, and and what that's what that's creating is actually a lack of of folks signing up to then go and study for these design uh, uh, courses or uh, um, careers. Because why would you sign up for something 
knowing that in the history of there's only been two of you. Uh, those that do eventually graduate from these schools end up going to do corporate work, lighting, you know, lobbies of buildings because they can get paid. I mean, that's what they study to do. So it's, it's you know, T can actually speak more to the college level stuff, but we have to address it at the high school level, the college level, the post-college level, the points of entry for these various designers, because otherwise it'll, it'll continue. And we have a, you know, a, a visual that we've created for ourselves, which is, by 2030 on New Year's Eve to look back and say, and raise a glass and say, look, we are part of a generation that fundamentally changed this landscape of what we refer to as Broadway or the American theater, because we, we have to raise it by about 500%. And people go, well, that sounds nuts. Well, it's not because right now there are zero black lighting designers. If we have five black lighting designers in the next decade, we have raised it by 500%. And that is not an impossible feat, but it has to be, it has to come with the help of everyone within the industry to make that happen. Yeah. And that's thing for us. I mean, I think that there's so many, there's so many areas of the business that people are, are either complacent or, or comfortable. And the idea of making change when, when you're already making money, when you know, we're going to get back to business is like, it's, 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 it shouldn't be a hard sell, but it, it can be because because Broadway has gotten used to working in a certain way. And for us, it is truly about moving that needle and making sure that there are opportunities for everyone. For me, I mean, I think my I mean, I, I started performing and I was very young, but also but seeing someone on the Tony Awards and knowing that, oh, I can do that is a great thing. If you're a young black or brown person and you never see anyone who stands up, one who's who's even nominated, then second, who stands up and who actually receives receives an award as a lighting designer, as a set designer, as a sound designer, then guess what? You don't realize that those are even options for you. And those are just the awards that we see. And you start to think about all the other areas that there are no black or brown people even in those positions. So for us, as Warren said, it, it, is, it is about us working on Broadway, but it's also about all of the American theater and, and what BTC is going to be able to do and reaching those regional and not pro- nonprofit theaters all these college programs, whether it's the, the big schools that everyone knows or the historically black colleges and universities, and then those high schools and those junior high schools. So as young black and brown people are able to see faces, they know that there are also opportunities because everyone can't sing, act, and dance. But you may be someone who can be a music arranger, or you may be a lighting designer, or you may be a set designer or someone who likes to work with props. And we want to make sure that we are filling as many of those professional jobs in this industry across this country with people who are are equipped and capable of handling them again and it's not it's not about just throwing people in jobs and saying we want to make sure that people have jobs we want to make sure that one they are they've received the education or the or they're qualified or they all all of the tools that they need in order to thrive in that position not just putting them there and and wishing and hoping that they do well but knowing that it is only the the entree into a room, it's only the connection that they have been lacking that is keeping them from working at the highest levels. How do we, because I, I think this, you're 100% right. And, 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 you know, and the thing is there are theater professionals out there, black theater professionals that work, you know, in lighting and set and everything like that, that are, that are ready, that are ready to go. And, and they're just not being given the opportunities. I've worked at regional theaters around the country where I work with incredible black designers that I, some of them I go, where have you been? Where, how come I don't know you? And they go, you tell me. You know, and, 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 <laughs> right. and that and that's what kills me, truly. Like I, I 
I worked with the custom designer and she was the genius. And I was like, why are you, I, I can't, it, it blew my mind that I didn't, her name was not, you know, celebrated from, you know, coast to coast for her, for the work she did, because it was so intelligent and so smart and so nuanced and blew me away. So now, but the, the problem I always find is this, and if we're being really honest it, with, with creative teams, with producers, I find this is what I often see is that, um, they are perfectly happy. Um, and I say this as a Latino having us on stage, sharing our culture, sharing our story, mm-hmm. you know, um, showing diversity. We producers show diversity on our stages, but it is quite a different thing to invite them to sit at your table. And so, that's so, how, how do we, how do we, how do we, I don't want to say like force the conversation, but maybe it's even, how do we make them say it's not enough to parade us around on stage and tell the stories. You have to bring us into your world. So, so Eric, that is, that is before we start talking about what is the solution, I think we actually have to look at what is the thing that is holding up the construct. Like why is it the way that it is? And, you know, I always say, follow the money. Let's start with the money. And what I mean by that is, I like to say the ecosystem is when you walk into tech and there are all of those tables sitting around, you know, uh, in the theater with those little tiny lights and there's the director, there's the choreographer, there's the company manager, general manager, branding and marketing. That's the whole thing, right? Of that whole thing, blacks make up less than 1%. So if you go to an IBDB and you look at the opening night of a show, everything that is not on stage, which is off stage, make up less than 1%. So this is where the almighty dollar comes in. If you look at a dollar and how it breaks down into the continuous remuneration for that group of people based on royalties and fees, what we're saying is, is that from a black perspective, as a black artist, I'm saying that Blacks make up less than 1% of that, meaning that there is little to no asset. An asset is something which you can continue to benefit from. If you have an asset like a house, you can go borrow money and using that asset. So, so this actually, I think, the, the, the argument that needs to be made has to be made from a monetary perspective, in addition to all of the other discussions that we're having, because... What we're saying is now we are talking about, is it ethical? And is it, you know, you start getting into the legality of it. If you watch, watch the film, The Banker, and there was a period of time in this country where banks were not lending money to blacks to purchase homes based on the color of their skin, not based on whether they could actually uh, qualify for the, for the loan or not. So what I'm saying is, if, if, we, if we take all of the emotion out of it for a bit and we just look at like how the dollar breaks down, it breaks down to the fact that once that shows up and running, there are now many more white people that have added an asset to something that they already have, sorry, to other assets they already have. And there are now more black people that did not get to be a part of something that would have created an asset for them. Mm-hmm. Very few non-whites are benefiting from that, do- from that dollar. Something I, I, I am I think is such a smart idea, and and just exactly what it is is the idea of this pipeline that that for black theater graduates so they can go from colleges and universities straight into the workforce via intern and apprenticeship opportunities. Like, talk to me about 
Um, wh- what is your vision for this? How does this, how does this work? How do we, how do we start this? How do we create these relationships? Well, first things, uh, we, 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 we no longer call them internships because those one, they seem very transient. And most of the time they're, they're, you know, people are working for little or no money, and then they have to work two or three other jobs on top of that in order to sort of just make ends meet. And, and we all know that in this business, it, it is not only that nine to five that someone may be in an office, but theater happens, you know, from from five o'clock when you leave that office until 1130 at night and all the things that need to happen. And and so many people miss out on those connections and those moments because they're, they're bartending or they're, they're waiting tables or they're coat checking or something so that so that on top of the internship, they are, they're just able to survive. For us, it, uh, as far as making those connections, we are already reaching out at BTC to to those those uh, theater programs at the larger colleges and universities that we know, but also the historically black colleges and universities so that we are starting conversations with these young black professionals. So we know who are in the programs, uh, those who are recent graduates, we know we're getting information on who they are so that over this, this next period of time, this pause that we're in, we're able to start having conversations with them about about what they feel like they have learned and have not learned, what they think the business is going to be, as opposed to what we can tell them from our knowledge, what the business is right now, so that they are as prepared as they can possibly be when they are ready to make you know the big leap to a New York or a Chicago or Atlanta or or Los Angeles or wherever they may 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 land. But to give them all of the tools that they can possibly have, including, you know, personal and professional mentorship and those who are ready to work at, you know, regional theaters and uh, small not-for-profits or whatever it may be to, to make sure that they are they are they are being introduced and they are aware of the application process and they are getting interviews with these these companies. Because, again, you know, as Warren said, and as we all know, it's like you'll you'll have a conversation with an industry leader and like well we just we never get any black applicants or we don't know where they are it's like well maybe it's time for you to to ask yourself that question and see where you're where you're putting the application where you're asking people to interview so if you're only going to uh and you know I, i'm going to use i'll say a carnegie mellon or university of michigan or one of those big theater schools that have lots of uh white students it's like if you're only going to those schools and you're not going to uh, Howard or a Florida AMU or a Spelman, then I think that I think you already have the answer to your question. You have to we have they have to be willing to expand their reach so that they can actually reach black and brown professionals who want to be a part of this industry. Our focus is on the ships, S-H-I-P-S. We, we refer to it as the paid apprenticeship, the fellowship, which is also paid. And along with those two, obviously, comes mentorship. So those are the three ships that we really focus on. The, the apprenticeship, uh, as some of the stuff that you've read about, is like what we're doing with the company of company on Broadway, um, whereby um, we're, I think it's going to be 10 positions that is held where these paid apprentices will be a part of when company returns, because I don't believe they opened, um, I think they were in previews, where they'll go back into rehearsal, they'll have to go back through tech and previews, that every day these paid apprentices will be, you know, they're working, you know, side by side, learning from, working with the people that are actually, you know, uh, doing it, these designers and general managers and directors, choreographers and so forth. Um, and and since that was announced, we have now had, I think, two or three more additional Broadway companies that have said that they are interested in also doing the same and a similar model. 
And so that creates now what, you know, 30, 40 positions that didn't exist before for people to go through what it is like from day one, the process, because I think we can all speak to this is, is the, the jump from off Broadway to Broadway is magnanimous and the stakes are higher the you know, the, the rehearsal, everything is running a very different way with regards to uh, 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 what has to be done in a shorter period of time. And like I said, the stakes are higher. Um, and then with the fellowship, it's a much longer, we're looking at creating a year long thing, which is that room that I, that I referred to earlier, when you walk into tech, we took that ecosystem apart and created uh, 30 lines. So 30 line items for everywhere from uh, director, sorry, uh, producer, general manager, director, choreographer, set, lighting, costume, hair, marketing, branding, the whole spiel, anything that appears on that IBDB page that, you know, how do we get that uh, uh, black professionals to be a part of that, we refer to as the BTC Fellowship. And we came up with a number, uh, um, which is above $50,000. And we will make sure that this person is given that amount for the year. They are going to be working in various offices or with various designers being mentored by them, but working, they will not have to go and get a job after six o'clock so they can pay their rent or eat food, um, <laughs> AKA live. But what's exciting is we found is that, you know, if you are a, say a lighting fellow and you're being mentored by Natasha Katz, you're not just working with Natasha Katz. You are also having access to all of the other mentors you're also now making your networking because we're going to have quarterly get-togethers of the entire ecosystem. And in addition to that, BTC is producing or presenting um, what we refer to as pop-ups during the course of the year. So we have like a full concert that the ecosystem will get to work on together. So, you know, the, the producer fellow will then be producing it along with the general manager fellow, the director will be directing it, the, you know what I mean? So it's they will be taking everything that they are learning and getting paid to work on within these various offices, coming together in a very symbiotic way and applying all of that acumen. As you said, with um, just thinking back on the costume designer that you worked with, it's like our apprenticeships, like working on one of these shows, it is truly about either people who are, you know, at the beginning or mid-level of their careers who, who need a chance to sort of see how it all works, but also for those who are ready to be in a room for six weeks with a team that they've not been able to get into that room yet. So it is about that costume designer then being able to meet the producer and the director and the choreographer who are working on a Broadway show so that for their next show, they're like, oh, what about this person? We met her. She was the apprentice on Company when it came back. We loved her. We loved working with her so that they now have a connection to a, a younger Black professional who should have been in the room already, but has not been given the opportunity. So this now gets her in front of all of those, all of those people who are on, you know, on whatever show it may be, and giving her a new opportunity so that she now has in the entree into a Broadway, you know, a Broadway show or, or Broadway uh, producers. We, we cannot go back to the normal that we knew. We cannot go back to the, the, disparity, the the inequity, the lack of inclusion. We can't go back to that point. And, and we have to be able from this moment on, and, uh, you know, we're already in September of 2020, uh, to be able to move the needle and say, this is how we're going to be able to restructure and rebuild this industry so that it's going to be equitable for everyone so that we can actually do what we say we want to do, which is make sure, make sure that the stages and that's inclusive of backstage, front of house, everything looked like the world that we live in. 
I think it comes down to a couple of things. Um, given given this this period that we're in right now, COVID has allowed us to mobilize, right? Because we're not all running around trying to get to this rehearsal, this casting, this meeting, and so forth. And it by mobilize, it is given us the platform to have a dialogue with our white colleagues, our, our white colleagues who consider themselves allies, but to have real dialogue, not superfluous dialogue. Like as a choreographer, there, I, I have based on the data that we know, I have a 0.56% chance of being hired. That's the data. So I think what you're seeing now is people going, am I going to be content with that 0.56% chance of being hired? Or am I going to speak out? Correct. And I think the choice is obvious. Well, because what do you have? I mean, what do you have to lose when you're what at zero point five? When you're when you, when you're when the odds are that low, I mean, the only move you can make is to speak out and say, "I don't like my chances. <laughs> my chances right. suck." <laughs> right. I'm going to roll the dice on yeah. ninety nine point. What is it? Ninety nine point four four percent chance of fighting is going to get me a better chance of sitting good. back and just hoping that you know my zero point zero zero five percent chance is going to get me a shot. That was very impressive. Quick math. I I, I, <laughs> I had to think there. <laughs> my, my, when you did it, my brain just literally exploded. I could not put together a sentence. <laughs> um, so talk to me, you know, this, this idea, this partnership of the revival of company, I want to go back to that because this, when I was reading about you all and what you're doing, this is when I went, oh, this, this is doable. This is sustainable. This is the real thing. And we had an episode, uh, our second episode on, on here, we had, um, uh, uh, Jose Lana and Cody Renard Richard, uh, talking about the Dear White American Theater letter. And Cody mentioned the fact that what he sees all the time is that the opportunities that are given to, uh, you know, black stage managers, black people, anybody, you know, back of house, everything like that, they are all, they were all internships, internships with the knowledge that they were not going to advance Correct. to actually claiming one of those three or four spots per show. So Correct. now how, so, how did this, how did the company thing happen? How did, how did you get in there and say, we're going to do, I mean, did, like, how did they, they come to you? You come to them. And then how do you now convince, you say you have three or four, um, to me, three or four is great. I, I would, I would hope that 20 people are holding their hand up right now saying, yes, us too, please. We need yeah. to change this. We, and we, we hope that that's going to happen. I mean, and first of all, I, I love this, that, that story of Cody's, how he went ahead and emailed people because he was going to be a part of that Broadway show, no matter what. Uh, but with us, like we, you know, with when everything paused and shut down, uh, a dear friend of both uh, Warren and my mine, Rashidra Scott, who is in the company of company, she reached out and said that their lead producers wanted to do something. So she connected us with them. And and they honestly they came to us with the idea of, of adding black professionals to uh, their rehearsals, their tech rehearsals, reopening and all this. And so as, as we started to figure out what, what that partnership would be and how and which positions were going to be necessary and what that meant for their show and for our organization, it all made, it all made so much sense. And when we were able to put it down to paper and look at the other organizations, like we've, we've spoken to a few different shows uh, and they're they're on board and and we're in the process of figuring out those partnerships uh, because again every show is going to need something different you know the idea that a, a Phantom of the Opera that's been around so long may not need the same things that a show that is absolutely going back into you know previews but you're right every show should be able to do this every show should be open to the fact that we've not done right all of this time and it's it's not a lot of it's uh, honestly not a lot of additional money for shows that are up and running and 
and they are not con- they they have little concern or less concern about if they're going to be able to make it back to Broadway uh, in the spring or early summer. You know, we are focusing on Broadway because that is what is you know uh, I guess the, the highest what people consider the standard of theater the highest, but also it's it's where the most eyeballs are, and so we knew that that's where we would get the most traction. But but to just to be clear that we are focused on you know the rest of the american theater because because what 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 you're seeing with company is easily applicable at the regional level is easily applicable um at at uh, at the off broadway level so but we just knew that we get the most traction there so our goal is to our, our goal is to also make sure that this is not just isolated at the broadway format because there are only 40 broadway houses um and so it's you know at some point we have to consider what it's going to be like when we when we think of growth. Just imagine what it's going to be like for all of those black professionals who can say that they worked on a Broadway show when they are now interviewing at regional theaters across this country. Correct. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. You have that credit, it changes everything about everything. 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 Yeah. You get that Broadway credit every regional's like, "Do you want a job?" Automatically. Yeah. Yeah. We know this. Yeah. You know, it's so funny this morning I opened my computer and I live right across from the Barclays Center. And the announcement was that Steve Nash was becoming the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. And I, I have a friend, you know, who works in the, and I, I called him, I said, I have a question. Has Steve Nash ever coached? And he said, not a day in his life. And the assistant head coach for the, the Brooklyn Nets is, uh, um, I believe, Jacques Vaughn, who's black, has been there for 10 years. And when the bubble was happening now down in Florida, he did very well. Mm-hmm. And so look at this. You've got a guy on the left over here, a black guy, who's been an assistant coach for 10 years and became the interim head coach and did very well during this transition. And on the right, you've got a white guy who was a great player. Don't get me wrong. And I really love Steve Nash. But it has never coached a day in his life. Is yeah. coming to be the head coach of an NBA team, and now the the black guy has to help him do his job, making it look like, you know, he's doing it. But we, but but do you see the the, the oh absolutely yeah. And, and so the, the same thing is applicable in our industry. Yep. It just constantly happens, and this is what we refer to the illusion of inclusion. Is just like this idea that a white male is getting a job that he has zero qualifications for, other than being a player. And there is, you know, and I think that in, in our business too, we can go for, like, we don't have to, you know, because I'm trying to think, how do we all apply this to ourselves? And the first person I think of is myself, because I, I want to be part of a better future for this, you know, and, and you know, uh, my writing partner, Brett and I, uh, as we, you know, pan the future of our musical and, and, and how it makes it into New York and everything, we, you know, are, are having active talks with one another and, and our team about the fact that, you know, in the contracts we sign with you know, our commercial producer and everybody, there, there will be language that mm-hmm. insists on a certain percentage of our, you know, of our team being, yep. you know, black or people of color that, that we want to, that we want to actively be, be being a part of it. We want to actively make it. So it's not even an, a, a thought or an idea. It has to happen. It yeah. has to, yeah. it is contractual. And that's, you know? I'm, I'm, that's part of like, uh, you know, for, for the, the directors and choreographers who are accomplices of Black Theater Coalition, you know, the pledge that we ask from them is this, like that you don't hire or you don't sign on to be a part of an all white creative team that within that team, even if even if at this point 
because of of the 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 thought of lack of people of color in some of these areas that at least with the um, assistants or associates that you have people of color that are that are part of those creative teams so they are getting in those rooms and you know we've we've had 15 have already said absolutely yes and we're 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 continuing with a list of more so that it truly is the hope that it'll be everyone so there's not even a question of oh we can hire this director or choreographer because mm-hmm. they haven't said this that but everyone will say it everyone will have that added to their contracts so it's not even it's not even a concern anymore it's like we will not work with all white creative teams because that's not the business that we say we want to be in that's not the world the look of the world we say we want to live in so why would we not make sure in some way that we can offer equity and inclusion to everyone by saying we're, we're not going to do this. We're, we're no longer going to do what we have been doing. I mean, is there a way to create truly for the assistance of everyone in this business, a, a, almost a database of, of, of designers and <laughs> uh, really of designers no, no, and everything. Building it. I love it. Oh. We're, we're doing it. <laughs> I love that. Cause I mean, that, cause to me, then what you do, if you, if you check every box and they're still not doing it, then, then you can, then we can all point the finger and say, is an active choice. You don't want it this way. You like your bubble the way it is. And yeah, we're yeah. gonna and, and now we're gonna force you to pop it. Yeah, no, it's it's so from from you know, it's funny you say that we check every box. I think the 18 months that T and I had in our get togethers, we had always come up with a different scenario. Okay, what about this? So you've got now like T just mentioned, we've got like 15 very prominent white directors. Either they've won Tony Awards, been nominated for Tony Awards, or won major awards that have, mm-hmm. you know, pledged that they will not have all white teams. So immediately you go from, okay, nine creatives on a team, like they're typically nine all white. So now having a pledge saying that they're not going to be, that immediately has created opportunity. Then you've got the producer level, then you've got the general manager level. The database is actually extremely important because I think the get out of jail free card that a lot of white uh, uh, decision makers have have had in the past is they go, oh, I don't know where to find a white uh, uh, um, a non-white lighting designer. Oh, I, know. I don't know oh where God. to find a non-white you know costume designer. Um, and I think what we're putting together with regards to the database is that you will be able to go, you know, female costume designer, boom, whether it's in Phoenix, Arizona, or New York City, or wherever, and you will have access to who those people are. So that excuse gets gets thrown out the window. It's also going to help. I mean, it's also going to advance so many careers because there's going to be people that, like you said, someone that maybe that may be based in Arizona and work in Arizona and does brilliant work, and some yep. director may see her stuff on there and go, "I want to bring her in for the workshop of my new show," and we're going to take it out of town. And you know what? Now this costume designer from Arizona has her Broadway debut. And her exactly. Talk, exactly. And her exactly. life is forever changed. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So now. I, uh, the last question I want to ask you guys is um, because you know I talk to a lot of uh, you know colleagues in the field and and, and white colleagues who uh, and they've all in one way or another said a form of this um, and it is they want to be part of the solution they want to help this they don't know how and I think they're scared in some ways <laughs> I think some people are just legitimately scared on how do I do this how do I navigate being a part of of this change and we'll be specific to you all you know without. Um, maybe overstepping my boundaries without, you know, how, how can they help the Black Theater Coalition? Because so many want to see a future like this. How do they make it a reality? I, I, think, I think there are many levels of that, Eric. 
for for let's let's look at the college and university levels. I I think if our 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 white colleagues and peers have gone to uh, programs that you know are are skewed in the direction of white men and women, that you have conversations with those with those schools, the the head those the chairs of those of those programs, so you can look back and say to them, I came out of this school and I know that it was it was inequitable to the few black students were there. We have to, you have to readdress that now if you're going to continue to have black students there. It is going to be, it is going to be the voices of our white colleagues who can help push this along. Because again, with, with, and and that may be them standing in front of us, standing behind us, standing beside us, so that the, the powers that be right now who are making theater happen in this moment, see that we are all joined together. Because even in this moment of, of, I call it pandemia, and when we were on pause and we're having all these conversations, it is still the same people who have been in, in the driver's seat who are still in the driver's seat. So we want to make sure that they understand and they know and they see and hear us that a part of what has to happen in the future so that there can be more black professionals working in all these areas is that either we are going to build a, a larger table together so that more people can sit at it or those who are sitting at the table now have to push away and give up their seats to someone else. Those are going to be our two options. And that's how I think our, our, our white colleagues are going to be able to help us to have those conversations at the college levels, have those conversations at every, you know, regional theater that they are working in and looking around and see, and, and counting the number of people that you see that are, are not white. The, the thing that I say, there's two things I say to my white colleagues who have asked me the same question is number one is listen. Um, because I, I, I think what, what has not happened in the past and what we're seeing now is a platform or the platforms that have been created um, by BIPOC people to, to, speak, to speak their minds without, without the fear of retribution, number one. So listening. Number two is, is the hardest one. And I, I say, don't sign up for this without fully understanding the following, in that... By joining this, you are going to be creating a less of a chance for you to work. That's a fact, because if we just look at Broadway, there's 41 houses. And so if this year there's 15 new shows, by creating a more equitable society, which is what we are striving for, it does mean that now where, you know, there were 15 positions for white lighting designers, if we are successful, that will not be the case. So do do you know? Don't sign up for this unless you are fully aware of that, because then we then we really start to split, separate the people who actually are interested in creating real fundamental change from those who are inferring it, and are hoping to see something, but without trying to rock the boat too much, because those two things cannot happen at the same time. It's something we do inherently in this field, and we don't mean to do it, but. We all turn, oh, well, yeah, I'll turn to so-and-so, I'll turn to so-and-so. We turn to, the, we turn to our circle only yeah. and never beyond it when trying to create shows and everything else. And, and these are examples where we have to do it because we, there shouldn't be the same three people doing you know, uh, uh, every show. There shouldn't yeah. be, people shouldn't have six projects, boom, 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 and the same yeah. thing where they're running from show to show. To me, it's insanity, first of all. Yeah. Uh, and and second of all, it's opportunity for somebody else. Yeah, and it's also that's the way we, you know, we can expand that circle, and that's, Absolutely. that's what the hope uh, is for BTC. I mean, with this conversation, it's like, you know, Warren and I were, uh, you know, sitting distanced as, as much as possible in his car one day going to meeting, and it was a conversation that that someone had asked him. It's like, 
if, if you all are doing this as a director choreographer, that means that there are going to be more people getting opportunities and maybe taking them away from you. It's like, yeah. And, and in that moment, it's like, it is, it is not about, it is not about us. It is about making this industry better. It is about making it equitable. And it also means that then everyone should really be at the top of their games because the people getting the jobs, if more people are given the opportunities are truly going to be great. Yeah. As opposed to the, again, the four or five who are really, really good and some who are really, really great continue to get all the jobs and it's going to change. It's going to change the playing field for everyone. If, if all of the creativity of all of the groups of people, of all of the colors of skin have the opportunity to get in the room and to work. We all know how to do this. It's a matter of now actually putting the steps in and doing it. We know, and and with you all, you are laying them out. You're giving, there's, I mean, there's no, there will be no excuses. There will be no excuses going forward. It will be a matter of, it'll be a choice. And I yeah, think when it, we it, get it, to the point of a choice, that's when things really start to change. It, exactly. Which is why I, I always say, really, really think this through. You, you know, don't, I, I have a, a personal belief. I, I don't actually believe in allies. I only believe in accomplices, mm -hmm. allies to me coming from the term, uh, you know, a, a group of countries, allies getting together, but those allies can drop out at any given moment when yeah. it comes to war to say, actually, I don't want to go to war. Um, whereas accomplices, you know, I think back to, to uh, um, Congressman, the late John, uh, John Lewis, you know, that image of him um, as he's crossing the bridge down in Selma and uh in some of the images there are a couple of white guys and you know, their faces are bloodied and they, and I'm like, that's an accomplice. You stayed until the end. You walked the walk. You didn't just say, Oh yeah, I'll be there. You showed up. That's yeah. an accomplice. Allies have the ability to be like, you know what? I don't know if I want to cross the bridge. So let me know how it works and then I'll be back. So, so I, I, I really, it's very important that for people, once they, they, they want to dip their foot mm -hmm. in this to understand that, the waters are going to get deep. Yeah. And as the waters get deep, you're going to have to tread water. And 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 we're going to need you to be there with us all the way. Because if you're not, then it's going to be harder for us. And so what you're actually doing then is creating a much bigger problem. Because now I'm going to have to figure it out when you're not there. So accomplices to me are people who are like, we're in it to win it no matter what. Yeah, this, this is a life commitment. I mean, this is a life commitment. Yeah. If you, if you a, are, if you are an artist, yeah, yeah. If you are an artist or you are a human that truly believes in what you say and preach and put on your Facebook and everything else, well, then you have to live by it. You have to live that, by that, it every LeBron, day. Le, yeah. Le, LeBron James said it best. He said, Black Lives Matter is not a movement. It is a way of life. Absolutely. That, that is because the most offensive thing ever is that it's a movement. It's political. It's not. It is a no, way of life. It is, it, is, it, is, life. it is a fact. It is a fact. Black Lives Matter. And we are starting to try to learn how to get better at honoring just that simple fact. Yeah. You know, uh, T. Oliver Warren, I, I look in the disaster that is 2020. I have always believed that out of this great things have to come. And you two are an example with a coalition of, of great things to come. And I, I look forward to a much brighter future for Broadway. Thank, Thank you for having us. Thank you. All right, voter registration New York. Did you think I'd actually forget? No, of course not. Voter registration for New York. Don't forget, if you are not in New York, it is an easy Google search. Go check it out. The deadlines are fast approaching. In New York, it has to be postmarked by October 9th, received by October 14th. 
The last day to have a postmark request for an absentee ballot is October 27th. The last day to do it in person is November 2nd. The last day to postmark the absentee ballot and send it in is November 2nd. The last day to drop it off in person is November 3rd, Election Day. But, but we all know that if we can be safe and if we can keep healthy, we're going to show up in person because Donald Trump wants nothing more than to steal this election. So we're going to show up. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, we're here every other week. So go get to work and we can't wait to have you back. Also, please consider becoming a part of a more equitable and just future by donating to the Black Theater Coalition at www.blacktheatercoalition.org backslash support. Do You Hear the People Sing is a production of the Fabulous Invalid LLC and the Broadway Podcast Network. Today's episode was edited and engineered by Kyle Moore. Our theme music is by Brett Ryback. Our photography is by Michael Kushner. And our graphic design is by Aviva Sokolau-Shahar. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.